Sports. Everywhere you go. Refreshes without filling. Why? You carry the fun with you. I never cease to wonder at the many ways scientists have learned to improve on nature. To think just what that means. Of course it means many things. Each one is a masterpiece of design and beauty. But first, here is your announcer. It's time for the Geeky Brummy Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Geeky Brummy Podcast. Joining me, your host, Mr. Ryan Parrish. Today is Mr. Keith Glenfield. Hello, Ryan. Welcome to the Decontamination Zoom. <laughs> I wondered what that, that um, bit of plastic that I had to pass through was for. <laughs> and also joining me, Mr. Lee Bryce. Welcome. How are you both this week? I, I, I have to say, I have a cold. Uh, oh, no. But it's no. just a cold, because I haven't really noticed. No. I've checked, I've checked the list. <laughs> Decontaminate him. Yeah. Get the Lysol. And the runny nose is okay. Yes. The runny nose is good. We've stopped up an antibacterial hand gel. We have some blue rolls. <laughs> we should be able to survive this podcast. I'm not buying blue rolls. <laughs> I've just made a throw out of them in the corner of the room. <laughs> oh, that's what that is. <laughs> it will be a Game of Thrones for some people if they've got not, not a chance to pick any of them. I'm trying to think of the post-apocalyptic novel or film where people have traded blue rolls is the kind of like you know can you imagine Mad Max instead of petrol it was blue rolls it's stock leaves yeah. it's like what what exactly are you thinking is going to happen to you it, it does shock me some people out there in this world and how as soon as anything minor happens they turn into the fish from Spongebob <laughs> and just like it's like stock Yes, because when you have a fluey cold symptoms, what you need is a blue roll. Yeah, I guess it's probably cheaper than like Kleenex. Yeah, I mean, and I went to my local supermarket and like they've cleared out all the cheap drugs, not not the expensive brand name drugs, just all the cheap ibuprofen and paracetamol. Because although it's a crisis, people still want to save a few pennies. Um, although I did see an advertisement with somebody who was. Um, Giving away blue roll with crates of Corona beer, which I thought was quite a good one. One way to get around it. Buy a crate of Corona beer and you get a free. Yeah, I love that there's a percentage of Americans who won't buy Corona beer now because of (laughs) the virus. Yes, we we percentage that is. No, it pretty much lines up with uh, those who have bought in a certain party. (laughs) Yeah, I I think we know exactly what to call those types. Insert clue here. <laughs> anyway, before we do that, what have you been up to, Keith, this last few weeks? I have, in previous two weeks, Fortnite's go by very yes. quickly. You oh, finally got around to You were saying that you've been playing Fortnite. No, I've <laughs> never played Fortnite. Why? Yeah, I see, did see you finally got around to going to watch Parasite at the cinema. Yes, I went. Uh, it was on at my local uh, cinema, so I did get to see that, which was very, very good. Right, so you can have the spoiler review now of your choice? Yeah, I. It was, I would hesitate to say it was a masterpiece, and probably not my favourite of his films. Ooh. Are you going to do with the host? Uh, yeah, actually I would probably, I think, I did like that, but I did enjoy that yeah. quite a lot. Um, yeah, it was It was good, it was a good movie, it was you know, certainly um, worth seeing in a cinema, mm-hmm. um, which was good. 
but I've continued to read actual books with just words rather than words and pictures. Um, but you see, that's, that's, that's quite good. Um, but I'm going to return now to words and picture books as I've got a bit of a backlog of comics I've got to catch up on. Is, it, is this the pile that's threatening to collapse on top of you in bed? No, it's actually not that bad. The majority of them are put in a box. Have you have you hidden them away from your lovely wife? (laughs) (laughs) This box does not contain comics. Do you not know what Ryan's talking about? Uh, And I caught up on the Titans um, series on Netflix. Any good? Better than I would have said from watching the trailer originally, which put me off. Mm. Um, What I did like is that they, whilst they made it slightly more gritty and dark and swearing and a bit more violence in it yeah they do capture the essence of the actual characters themselves so i was kind of invested in the character's journey that or the titans cartoon not teen titans go the type teen titans cartoon the original teen titans cartoon series is by far the best version of teen titans ever yeah Uh, without shadow of a doubt which doesn't make me want to go and see the Teen Titans versus Teen Titans Go movie, which has those Titans in it, which I haven't planned to watch yet. Yes. Um, yeah. Are you still playing the Teeny Titans mobile game? Because I remember no. you playing that quite No, I've given, given up on a lot of mobile games. Mm. Um, I said that a long time ago. Yeah, they just seem Pay like to they're, win. they're really needy games. It's like you've got to play all the time, constantly. I find it's like the first ten levels is usually like the really sweet and everything's amazing and you get like loads of bits and then you just always hit a paywall and it's like now you have to pay money. Yeah. I think what I need to do is kind of just find the whatever the equivalent of the Minesweeper app is <laughs> on home mobile or get Snake some kind of version of Snake. It's a real shame because I remember about two thousand eight, two thousand nine. There were some really, really great mobile games coming out, and they had proper storylines, everything like that. They were all about four or five pounds, and it was basically like Steam Greenlight is now, and people are going to develop a small Android game first before trying to go into the proper game studios. That's all gone now. It's all you must share this game with your five hundred Facebook friends to earn a gem. It yeah. will give you like a boost. It's a strange mechanic. I think it all comes down to the what. Candy Crush Saga. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, sometimes on the bus you can think, I'd rather be you know, doing something than um, scrolling through Twitter or Facebook. But adjusting, your, so, adjusting your face mask. <laughs> yeah, I've got podcasts, so the kind of gaming thing, so I'm on, you know, Switch and whatever now. Yeah. Mobile games need to be a little bit better. Yeah. But, yeah it's okay. A little bit more adjusted towards their audience. Yeah, I think I just need something I can play for 10 minutes and that's it. Yeah, true. Lee, what have you been up to since we last saw you? I know I've been watching all of the Ghibli movies on Netflix, so I'm now a third of the way through. Top five. Oh, God. So uh, far. That's a good question. Top, top three? Just um, name any. Because yeah. you know it's going to be Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, yeah. and maybe My Neighbour Totoro. Yeah, I need to re. I'm going to be rewatching Spirited Away and Mononoke soon. Um, but um, I think the ones I've rewatched, I'd say, like, the, sort of the big ones, like Kiki's Delivery Service yeah. and um, Castle of the Sky, yeah. which was, like, the first Ghibli movie I had seen. Yeah. 
That's right, with the original dub years and years and years yeah. ago. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also really enjoyed um, Ocean Waves. Oh, uh, yeah, the one I said. Like, yes. watch, watch this non Miyazaki TV mm-hmm. Ghibli movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like the ennui of Japanese high schoolers. Mm-hmm. It, that's the only way I can describe it. It's like amazing. It was, a, it was a really nice little story, but I just didn't. I went into it not really knowing what it was about. So yeah. It was, it was just good. It was nice, it like resolved itself as well, mm-hmm. and it's like very, very much this is definitely the end of the story, and that's all mm-hmm. we need to know. It's mm-hmm. really nice to have that as a mm-hmm. like a single. But yeah, non Miyazaki Ghibli movies always surprise me. Mm-hmm. Hey. Although, of course, they have left out the most famous of those, which is uh, Grove of Fireflies. That was not from <laughs> Netflix. I wonder why that is. Is like that because I don't want to traumatise the entirety of the children watching Netflix. Oh, look, an animated movie, press play. Ah. Well, you ah. say that, but when it, when it debuted in Japan, it was in, it was a double bill with Totoro. Yeah. It's because they put Grave of the Fireflies <laughs> on work first. They went to people, oh, we've, like, we've actually like hurt these people mentally. <laughs> Here's a nice, fluffy movie for you to all get over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was... Um, Going well so far, just yeah. a third of the way through, and I'm just currently getting through more. I have heard that the Grave of Fireflies is sync to the distribution rights or something. It's that, like the that, only one owned by like a different company or something. That old chestnut, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Um, but even if it was there, I wouldn't watch it again. It's it's one of those films like Requiem for a Dream where it's an amazing film. I'm never going to watch it again yes. in my life. It, you, you all have those films which are great to watch. Once mm-hmm. and only once, and it's kind of like you have the, the you have the tattooed stripe of I watched this film, and then you go then you recommend it to everybody else and say, Oh, do you want to watch it with me? You're like, no, no, <laughs> no, definitely no. We do not want to watch that movie with you, but you watch it; it's really good. Mm-hmm. Any gas for no films live in that kind of realm usually. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even sure I'd be in the category of watch it first. <laughs> <laughs> Quite happy for other people to watch them. Yeah. That's fine. Any other exciting things? Not really. Yeah, that's the... It's it's going to March, February time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We're being kind of like, everything's just going to wait. Spring is about to spring. Yeah. Clocks are about to go forward. Um, you know, yeah. everybody's just paused. Yes. Like, like a cat. I'm searching for metaphors there. I've got a proper note. Yeah. Bud, bud about to burst into bloom. Yeah. Okay. Well, I could go on. I won't because I don't yeah. think of it anymore, but yeah. For me, you're it's just been TV pretty much. So MasterChef is back on, so I'm basically bitching about it on Twitter as always. And the, the pointlessness that is Greg Wallace, a greengrocer who repeats what the chef said in a slightly different way to pretend that he knows about food. I don't know how much money that the BBC are paying this man because he's like on every single program like a virus now. It's like inside the factory with Greg Wallace, which sounds like it should be a short horror movie. <laughs> I was thinking you were going to say inside Greg Wallace with Greg Wallace. Oh, that's probably see. That's probably the next one coming up. But we, we miniaturized Greg Wallace and inserted him into himself. Miniature <laughs> <laughs> I shall call him. Mini Greg. <laughs> All your grocery nuts, half your thigh. Anyway. Yeah. Look, it's the pancreas. Yeah, but I've also been watching Avenue 5, which I'm really enjoying, which is basically the thick of it in space, but it's got Hugh Laurie in it, so therefore it's pretty good. And it's Hugh Laurie, Josh Gad, a few other people playing around. Yeah, it's pretty good. 
Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. It's very enjoyable. Very sweary. No, not really? One. I haven't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> not, not one for children. And The Return of Kirby Enthusiasm, which is the also very sweary TV uh-huh. show, which is also very good. Which is basically how much can Larry David make his life worse. Yeah, I can't watch Larry David now without thinking of his Bernie Sanders, thanks to <laughs> Saturday Night Live. Well, there was a whole episode themed around a MAGA hat. Uh, okay. Where it was basically just putting it on to avoid people in LA. <laughs> so it's basically like if you wanted to table to itself at a restaurant, you just pull the maggot out and put it on his head. It's like uh, having headphones on yeah. in, in, when you walk through town and people are trying to yeah. get you to sign up to stuff. It was very effective for a short time. I can Yes. And a few other of the usual Larry David style jokes, yeah. which we won't go into. But he'd like lampooned a bit of the Me Too movement as well. It's quite nice. Ooh. Are you continuing to watch Picard? Yes, Captain Jean Picard of the USS yeah. Enterprise. I didn't enjoy that they're bringing back some of the other recurring characters rather than just like here's the entire bridge crew. Sorry, that was my phone Mm-mm. going off then. I apologise. Yeah, but it was a yeah. It's nice to see like Hugh coming back. It's a, Hugh. It's a, Hugh was like a minor character in TNG and made something of him. Yeah, the most recent episode. To recording this was pretty, pretty good. Um, just the way they put it all together, they know exactly how to do it. Yeah, Oof, definitely. It's, it's, good, good little, it's a good little show. Yeah, I'm not sure where it's going to go. But it's good. Yeah, I'm going to be curious by the end of this season. Is mm-hmm. it? Is it definitely just going to be a one-off season? Because John Luke's like six billion years old now. Um, they've confirmed the second season because he mm-hmm. said that he did that thing on whatever it is the view or whatever it is in the sense oh, where he asked Whoopi Goldberg to return oh, yes. as Guinan and she went yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> um, can't really say no on national TV to yeah I, I, I hope it wasn't in the same way as Jerry Ryan was seven nine it was just like a one or two yeah. episode appearance if, yeah if you're going to bring Whoopi Goldberg back as, as Guinan I'd want it to be a, quite a Heavy two-hander between him yeah. and John Luke because the relationship they developed with those two characters yeah. in the show and in the films um, is pretty impressive. Sorry, that was a phone going off again. And mine's on airplane mode, so it's not mine now. I'm so blaming this on you, Keith. Mine is also <laughs> on uh, airplane mode. We can't blame Luke because Luke turned his off. Yeah. I'm going to turn mine off as well. Yeah. Also, slide to power off. <laughs> I do that quite. Uh, Quite regularly. Is, slide that, to power. is that into the slide? <laughs> slide into the bed sheets to power off for the night. It's not as easy as I get older as it used to be. If you've looked at any kind of newspaper, social media, or been in contact with the internet, which we assume you are because you are listening to this podcast at any point over the last three months, you'd have probably heard of a little nasty virus called coronavirus, a.k.a. COVID-19, to give it its proper name. Which uh, someone pointed out has got the same uh, intonation as Common Eileen. Yeah. And that just makes it great. Yeah, so that's what all the Gen Zs are singing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. See, I'm going with my Corona, Mm -hmm. to the theme of my (laughs) Sharona. That that works too. But uh, yes, so it's it's having a massive impact on some of our favourite industries, so we thought we'd have a bit of a discussion around it, and try and be a bit more sensible and balanced. So you're going to hear a few clips from a few events professionals in the Midlands as well, on how it's in- impacting their industry, but we thought we'd look into some of the events that we know have been cancelled. So for ta- today, for example, we've heard E3's been cancelled, which mm-hmm. is one of the flagship two of 
well, it's more gaming now. It used to be Entertainment Expo, so, mm-hmm. but it's gone more gaming theme. But it's like one of the t- one of the two flagship gaming events in yeah, the US. That and GDC, which has also been cancelled, so that's going to really affect a lot of announcements and also just, especially with GDC, it's going to affect a lot of networking because you've got um, a lot of small devs go there so that they can meet with publishers and they can. You know, arrange publishing deals and get more eyes on their games and stuff. But now that opportunity is lost because this isn't happening. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a massive concern. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it's it's also going to start affecting other events. So we saw Emerald City Comic Con being postponed till later on in the year. Again, this is a massive com- comic book themed. Well, it's it's your standard convention now. Started off as a comic book convention now. Seems to encompass everything under the sun convention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the comic book conventions as well, because again, again it's a lot of people travelling from a lot of different locations. Yeah. Um, and it, it is the, the financial implications for a lot of these um, small press publishers and for the mm-hmm. kind of creators themselves, because a lot of it is used to to generate income it's you yeah. know it's a way for, for self-publishers to sell their product directly to their customers um which it's that financial kind of like knock-on effect is going to be interesting to see what happens with that because the, you know, all these events cost money to run they cost money to to host and people yeah. pay for um the privilege of being there so it's going to be Interesting to see how how that all pans out. Well, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are probably checking their travel insurance documents very carefully at the minute mm-hmm. to see what kind of level of cover they would have. Yeah, I think for the actual travel, yeah, that's probably kind of not the concern. But it's, it's like more the lost income. Yeah, especially if you've laid out money to have printed materials ready, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Whether, you've, whether you've shipped material to be in other places ready for you. So that's the, I think that'll be a big impact on smaller games developers just for the, because they've got like all the equipment as well yeah. as like all the printed stuff, like you said. And then, you know, it, they're not necessarily going to be selling the games there, but that's it's a really good promotional opportunity yeah. to get their game in front of a bunch of people that mm. might not have noticed it before. I mean, yeah. it's something we've definitely done previously, like Ajax and Insomnia, where we've gone, we've play-tested stuff, we've mm-hmm. been able to chat with the developers, we've been able mm-hmm. to have a look how much involvement there is in creating a game. It's like something mm-hmm. like the um, Lord Winklebottoms investigates the amount of artwork and the music, yeah. and the voice recording, all that goes in, and it's 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 there to be pitched at a certain time, and if yeah. you miss your pitch window, that must be a massive knock to a small mm-hmm. developer. There's a lot of games that I've seen at EGX that I got interested in because I saw them at EGX that I would have probably missed otherwise. Yeah. I think as well, the the bigger organizations are a little bit more able to absorb the impact of delays and cancellations. But I think if you're small, whether it's from comics, whether it's from games, whether it's from films, that is going to have a bit of an impact on, um, you know, how you're going to market that, how you're going to recover your costs because the thing is, is that your release window is probably timed quite specifically to take advantage of there not being a big release yeah. that would would steamroll you in in other quarters. Mm-hmm. But then, what's going to happen then is everything's going to get condensed into a smaller point, and yeah. then there's going to be oversaturation. People are going to be kind of strapped for cash, and so the smaller publishers are again potentially going to lose out yeah. because of that knock-on 
um, release windows. Yeah, I mean, my big worry is, is a little bit of the social aspect as well. So look, if you look at a residential French like TF Nation, which is still going ahead at time recording, don't don't run out and worry about that. But for that, for a lot of people, that's that's their holiday for the year. That is a specific time period that they've been very careful to book out. They'll, some of them will bring the family. It, it's a big event. They'll meet. They'll see friends that they haven't seen since the previous convention. Mm-hmm. It's a great time to catch up. Great time to socialize. They'll buy their annual stock of merchandise usually as well, mm-hmm. especially at some of the residential conventions, which are like specific for a certain event such as Transformers Nation. But um, my my worry as well is a lot of the, as you mentioned, smaller conventions, I mean, like Leamington Comic Con, again, which is still going ahead. Don't worry about that. Or something like not another Comic Con where we attended last year. Something of that size is probably and at most risk of going ahead. Yeah. Because for some people, some people have put their their own personal wealth behind this, con- this set, setting this convention up and... Mm-hmm. It's a massive financial risk to some people, mm. and it must be a bit of a worry for those professionals in that kind of arena. Yeah, but as you mentioned, international travel that's going to have a massive impact. I mean, it might be a case of something like Wales Comic Con, which prides itself on getting a massive array of international guests. If if flight restrictions come in, they might really suffer on pre-sales, photo shoots at conventions. I mean, we've already seen rules come about out about cleanliness standards at conventions uh, washing your hands properly no touching rule which is usually mm-hmm. been in place for a while now I think but it, it's very understandable and yeah, we like, hope the audience understand why these rules are in place yeah because when you mention photo shoots I'm just thinking how's that going to play out you know with, yeah. with with all that you can't necessarily like all bunch together for the photo if it's yeah. uh, you know so I mean, just, some some people like John Barrowman always play around in photo shoots. Yeah. But, <laughs> but they like hold people, lift them up. Yeah, it, it's stuff like that that makes me worry. Yeah, no, no, the, the celebrity stands on the left <laughs> of the of the backdrop, and then the fans stand on the right, and, and there we'll, will be a gap enforced in the middle. <laughs> just like get half a head each. Yeah. <laughs> we'll shoot you individually against a green screen, and then pop it all together in Photoshop so it looks like you're closer. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like I mean, London Film Comic Con as well. That that's a massively attended event. So yeah, I, I just kind of in, you kind of think start to get thinking about kind of like some of these events might be your last opportunity to catch certain guests yeah. because their schedules don't mean you know the, they can't the, yeah. attend mm-hmm. the UK very often or whatever yeah. it is. So it's kind of like you know you might have been thinking this is the first time in however many years I'm going to get to see that you know you could have invested a lot of time and effort into stuff and i think there's going to be a ripple effect for at least the next two three years we already heard the mission impossible seven films going to be delayed because they were due to be filming some scenes in venice yeah uh captain america winter soldier series has been delayed because that was due to have some shoots in prague so it's it's all stuff like this is starting to spiral into a well this film might not be coming out for six months next year now because it was yeah mm-hmm. we had, had bond delayed yeah which is again is interesting because they'd already started the marketing push yeah on that in a big way billy eilish had released the single well, they're trying to buy your stamps with the brit awards yeah, yeah so, so there's you're kind of thinking well you know i mean obviously uh, mgm and are going to be able to recoup that in some form but yeah. um it'll be interesting then to see whether you know other studios follow suit 
or kind of go, there's a gap there now that we yeah. were avoiding Bond and now we've got a window to get some smaller films in. Yeah. Um, I mean, Lee, you're shocked to hear of the delay of Peter Rabbit too. Oh, God, yeah. My heart is broken <laughs> that I can't see James Corden play a cartoon rabbit. Yeah. I mean, you know, will, will that impact on the release of the tie-in uh, Peter Rabbit 2 video game <laughs> adaptation that I was looking forward to? Um, or at least still the mobile being version. released on Wii. <laughs> <laughs> you say that and Just Dance still releases on Wii. Oh, I know. <laughs> That's all that console is now known yeah. for, Just Dance releases. Yeah, I think, I think the big thing is it is that there's there's a lot of people that a, a lot of their livelihoods are going to be affected in one way yeah. or another especially um, as we mentioned comic creators and yeah. even games developers it's like missing mm-hmm. that pitch meeting or missing the chance to earn some commissions etc etc because it is comic creators are not paid to the level that you'd expect them to be paid considering the entirety of the movie franchise yeah. industry mm-hmm. is based on their work for, for the most part yeah um so every penny can help we're also, even, uh, we're also seeing issues with um, manufacturing as yeah. well. So, like, especially with the, the next-gen consoles on the way, the PS5, the Xbox Series X. Yeah. Um, you're looking at a case where, because everything gets manufactured in China, yeah, and China's been on lockdown, you've got yeah. all the factories not producing the units that they could have been. And, and that's also going to affect developers who are due to release yeah. onto the system on day one. Yeah, and then you've got, like... In Japan, I know there were shortages of Switch accessories just because of the way that they're kind of made quite quickly and then shipped to Japan because it's right there. Yeah. So because it's almost as soon as that happened, Nintendo yeah. had all these shortages in Japan of like Joy-Cons and stuff. So yeah, we're going to probably see a lot more of that over time. Yeah. But my recommendation for the next few months is support your creators in other ways go go onto steam Greenlight, have a look at the games there find something interesting check the nintendo e-store check playstation store or xbox store try and find something independent that you might not want to play again let's keep mentioned comiXology great digital store loads of self-publishing comic creators on there you can go and pick their work up there yeah have a look through the latest uh, kickstarters and stuff yeah uh, and, check and twitter see what people have got yeah some some artists will have open commissions on the website if there is something that you're going to buy at a convention chance to drop them an email and say look i know there's a likelihood it might not go ahead so here's my commission now etc mm-hmm. etc et mm-hmm. but go 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 and support your local indies please and be mindful about events and travel arrangements. Mm-hmm. But try and keep sensible. And don't hoard toilet roll. And wash your hands. <laughs> and don't make a thrown out of hand gel bottles. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're not supposed to do that? Oh, too late. And now it's time for our regular comics pool list. For March 18th, my comic of the week is Wicked Things number 1 from Boom Studios. This is written by John Allison with art by Max Sarin. The Eisner award-winning team of John Allison and Max Sarin return to the world of giant days for a new series about everyone's favourite child detective, Charlotte Grope. 19-year-old Charlotte has her whole life ahead of her. 19-year-old Charlotte has her whole life ahead of her, headed straight to Oxford and a future as a real detective until she's framed for murder. Given the choice between going to jail basically forever or joining the police, Lottie decides to hit the beat all while trying to find the real murderer. Lottie may have been running rings about the police since her ninth birthday, but she's never been on this side of the security tape. Could the future of law enforcement be five foot two with an extremely strong bangs game? Yes, very yes. Also out this week, and from Boom Studios as well, it's Alienated Number 2, written by Simon Spurrier, with art by Christian Wildgoose. 
From Dark Horse Comics, we have Grendel, Devil's Odyssey number 4, written and illustrated by Matt Wagner. At DC, we have Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen number 9, written by Matt Fraction, with art by Steve Lieber. And from Marvel, we have 2020 Machine Man number 2, written by Christos Gage, Tom DeFalco, with art by Mike Hawthorne and Andy MacDonald. Excalibur number 9, written by Tinney Howard, with art by Marcus Toe. And finally for that week, we have Guardians of the Galaxy number 3, written by Al Ewing, with art by Chris Sprouse. For the 25th of March, my comic of the week is X-Ray Robot number 1 from Dark Horse Comics. This is written and illustrated by Michael Allred. Max is a family man seeking an interesting life. While conducting a new experiment at work, the fabric of reality is torn before his eyes and the robotic figure appears, claiming to be his 277th year old self. The robot is able to X-ray multiple dimensions and battles a nihilistic entity from another dimension who wants to take all life to its pre-Big Bang status. Max and the robot embark on an interdimensional road trip through past and future to take down the nihilist and save the universe. I'm a big fan of Michael Red's work and I'm really looking forward to this comic and I'm looking forward as well to catching some of the uh, album cover inspired variant covers. Also out this week we have Action Special 2020 number one from Rebellion, five new outrageously provocative stories by 2020's most exciting creators Garth Ennis and Mike Dory tell an explosive World War II story starring Hellman. Enter the controversial and anarchic world of Kids Rule OK by Ram V and Henrik Stolsom. Henry Flint reveals a new kind of horror in Hell Machine. Zena Hutton and Staz Johnson bring Dredger out of retirement and Hookjaw is back, depicted by Dan Lish in the grudge match of the century against a special guest star. From DC's Wonder Comics imprint we have Amethyst number 2, written and illustrated by Amy Reader. From Black Crown we have Eve Stranger number 5, written by David Barnett with art by Philip Bond. From DC's Young Animal imprint we have Far Scepter number 5, written by N.K. Jemison with art by Jamal Campbell. From DC's Black Label we have John Constantine Hellblazer number 5, written by Simon Spuriat with art by Matthias Bergara. From Boom Studios we have Once and Future number 7 written by Kieran Gillen with art by Dan Mora from Dark Horse's Burger Books imprint we have Tomorrow number 2 written by Peter Milligan with art by Jesus Hervas from IDW we have Star Trek Year 5 number 11 written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly with art by Stephen Thompson we also have Transformers vs Terminator number 1 written by David Marriott with art by Alex Milne and from Marvel we have Giant Size X-Men Nightcrawler number 1 written by Jonathan Hickman with art by the legendary Alan Davis we also have The Immortal Hulk number 13 written by Al Ewing with art by Joe Bennett and finally this week we have X-Men number 9 written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Leniel Francis Yu and that's it for my comics picks if you're reading something you'd like to recommend please get in touch via Twitter at geekybrummy or drop us a line at hellogeekybrummy.com and now back to the main show in light of the global pandemic I thought it'd be best to speak to a few event professionals that we've dealt with and worked with in the past here on Geeky Brummy. So we've spoken to Pete Burke, who is the founder and coordinator of Not Another Comic Con, which we attended last year, and you can look into our archives to find the podcast on that. Uh, we've spoken to David Massey, who runs Brumhour Twitter and website, and he also runs Birmingham Social Media Cafe on the last Friday of every month. And we've also spoken to Matt Lovell, who we spoke to on the previous issue. Unfortunately, Matt wasn't able to give audio due to his being busy at his job, so I'll be um, reading his responses so the first question I asked was, as an events professional, what is your reaction to the wave of cancellations and delays with COVID-19? Hi, I'm Dave Massey. I think the cancellations and delays with COVID-19, also known as coronavirus, are inevitable, really. Uh, one of the biggest things that is going to happen is people will have to judge these things on a day-by-day basis and an event-by-day 
event basis part of the reason being if you've got somebody who you know in your family that is likely to pick up coronavirus off you you've got to make different considerations to regular the re- average person in the street as a reaction to the wave of cancellations and delays i think it's understandable people are genuinely fearful of being the event where there's a a mass breakout full-on zombie apocalypse and i know that i say that as a as a joke but no one wants to be the convention where everyone went to liverpool or they went to birmingham or manchester or wherever it is they were and now 5 10 15 20 people have all got coronavirus it, it essentially toilets that that reputation why did they have the event on they know how contagious these things can be why did they run the risk like it's it's rubbish but it's completely understandable matt's response was unsurprised especially in the lights of today's news and the speed which measures are escalating it is only likely to get worse as the uk follows suit similar to other countries and restricts movement and gathering Hospitality and events as an industry is very successful to current affairs anyway, but something like this is going to have a serious and long-lasting effect on the industry as we're only going to see more cancellations, postponements and loss of potential bookings. Whereas other industries can come to some extent reduce their loss of income through working from home, our industry is solely reliable on both workers and customers being physically present in a location, so anything like sanctions or lockdowns can cripple earnings. The second question asked was, do you feel this will have a disproportionate impact on smaller convention events who may not be able to bear the losses for cancellations? I do feel that coronavirus um, and COVID-19 will have impact on smaller conventions. One of the reasons being is they may not have uh, been able to do full risk assessments in terms of what might happen with this sort of uh, extreme uh, reason for cancelling. And also, it depends what their insurance covers as well, because they may not be able to claim back from certain things for it as well. I think for smaller conventions, the same thing would be we don't want to be the convention where lots of people became ill because we still had an event in terms of any kind of losses or fees for cancellations if they've got like a film and TV guest or kind of star hotels, all those kind of things. You want it to be that that wonderful ideal world where they contact the hotel and say, well, we've had to cancel because of all the illnesses, the COVID-19, etc., etc. Exceptional circumstances. Are we able to have refunds? And you want people to want to help. You want the hotels to go, yeah, absolutely. Or, well, we can't give you a refund, but we'll hold on to those rooms and you can rebook them with no extra charge at a later date. Like you want something given to you as a smaller convention. You'd want the venue to say, yeah, we can reschedule for this, for that. Like You want people to work with you. However, I suppose the heartbreaking thing is people may just go, we know it's not your fault. However, we're going to keep holding your money. I think that's sadly more where it's going to go. You cross your fingers and hope whichever convention has that happen to them that they can come through the other side or they get a wave of support from people who think they've been treated harshly by, like I said, venues or hotels or guests or whatever it is and and they come back stronger because of it. It could be the making of some conventions. Matt's reply was, I do because the challenges of smaller conventions like any smaller events is that they have to work harder to attract and retain an audience when facing something like covid19 there is a myriad of issues and no real indication as yet of how long this will last or how extreme measures will become smaller conventions may suffer heavily the third question asked was what can we be doing to support the convention and events industries at this time 
Supporting the industry at the moment is really vital. You can do this by sharing about businesses, maybe putting in a donation to a business that you've supported or tweeting about them, just letting people know that that business is still around and does need your support throughout the year. In terms of support for the convention industry, and obviously I think when people say convention, especially in the the line of work that you, you cover or we've done in the convention everyone thinks a comic con or a comic book based kind of social gatherings uh, pop culture those kind of things but obviously there's not just kind of that scene there's everyday business there's mass conventions for electrical wholesalers crofts went ahead but i mean like just and you've got things like the Cheltenham Festival, uh, regardless of what you think of things like horse racing and sporting events. It's not just the convention and event sector. It's it's every large gathering. And it's not just that an event might lose a bit of money on this occasion and can come back brighter. But I mean, some of those some of those events are, are livelihoods. Some of those conventions, like something like an electrical wholesaler or something, that's that's their that's their crowd, kind of jewel in the crown to be hosted up at the NEC, where where they might only have like five or six thousand people turn up, but those five or six thousand people are worth hundreds of thousands to them each year in contracts and sponsorships and what have you. It could mean that literally hundreds of people are, out, are not only out of work but are out of work and have gotten nowhere else to actually kind of get back into in the industry that might have worked in for a, a long time so it just it's it's sadly just dragging so many different aspects to to large group events in that i'm not sure what the answer is i don't know how we could even support people i like i said i think it's things that everyone just comes together once this is past supporting each other and and letting everybody know that everyone is supporting them and if they have to cancel that everyone will back them to go again at some point down the line matt's response was at the moment i'm not sure that there's a lot we can do like i've previously said it relies solely on people occupying physical space which covid19 is directly preventing the only thing we can do is really weather the storm keep up support and interest in conventions and their organizers online and once the virus has receded make sure to book and attend them if and when they are back and the final question I asked was, would you be still looking to attend events and conventions personally? Personally, I am looking to attend conventions as and when they're available to attend. Um, I go to events three or four times a week and I judge these on a on a case-by-case business assessment, whether they are ones that are professional events versus whether they're personal, uh, you know, personal events that I'm interested in just going to as well. Um, I'm looking, thinking particularly about MCM Comic Con, keen to go there personally, but also at the same time, there could be restrictions placed on the event actually taking place. So that's something to consider as well. I would still definitely attend conventions. I mean, as you can see in the British media and the scaremongering, and I mean, I joke that the top of this with zombie apocalypse, but I think the problem is the zombies are buying the toilet rolls and the hand sanitizers. And do you know what? If if you've got a, a good level of personal hygiene, you don't take unnecessary risks with your own personal health and safety. If you don't take unnecessary risks with other people's health and safety, and do you know what? You don't have to shake hands if that's not something you want to do at the moment. But I would still go to a large scale events because the world doesn't stop because something happens. Matt's response was, again, it depends. I'm in a group where contracting it isn't that harmful. So my own personal response is to carry on business as usual or be 
conscious to remain hygienic and sensible. But the programs and offerings at conventions might shift dramatically, meaning there might not be a lot to to actually go and see. I hope you find that useful, interesting to get some varied views on how some people in the events and convention industry are dealing with the current pandemic. Keith, you want to talk to us about comicsology, so I'm going to go hand over to you. Yeah, it's been a recent uh, development with comicsology, which has been a um, particularly useful uh, way of getting comics um, for quite some years now. Um, started off originally uh, as an independent, has now been taken over by Amazon. Uh, and for some time, they had been undercutting uh, the cost of print comics for quite some time because of tax reasons and whatnot. Uh, but in the last few weeks, they've recently um, repriced. So they now are almost one-to-one with the dollar price of a comic. So in effect, it's cheaper in most instances to buy print comics uh, from your local comic book store but surely as it's a digital product it has no attached value well this is the this is the interesting thing which is is something that's dogged digital formats uh, for quite some time is that you would think that because of the fact that they are digitally delivered there's no physical copy there's no shipping involved that you would be able to make um, for cheaper Um, but that's not the case and so in some cases it's actually um quite quite considerably more expensive to buy the digital versions i'm hoping that that comicsology will continue to do their regular sales yeah i mean if they make it quite easy to get all stuff i'm sure most people are aware comicsology is owned by amazon by amazon yeah yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of uh stuff they keep hidden uh, if you've got a Kindle Unlimited subscription, yeah. there are a quite a considerable amount of comics that you can read through that yeah. um, because the Comicsology Unlimited package, which lets you read comics um, for free for a subscription, it's not yeah. always kind of day and date stuff. It's, not it's only av- available in America. Yeah. Uh, and also through Amazon Prime, you can get some comics for, for free. Yeah, I mean, I know um, I've read a few issues on Kindle. It's used like issue one to two on stuff. And yeah, and like they use the panel to panel technology. The technology is all, all the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting now to kind of think that um, it's, it's why, what's the incentive to buy digitally? Obviously, yeah. if you haven't got access to a local comic book store, um, it is it is an easy way to get a hold of comics, like the lovely um, the world's apart Birmingham. Yeah, but purchase all your comic materials. <laughs> um, but again, there's you know the fact that a physical issue uh, in your hands, which you can then kind of collect or sell or get signed or whatever it is, um, is is now kind of the cost effective way to buy comics. Um, so it's it's an interesting thing that I think Comicsology had been kind of subsidising the whole pricing that they'd got for a while and i think um that's for the major publishers i think some of the indie publishers that that operate through um comiXology can control their pricing to a certain extent obviously comiXology will take their cut um but it makes you wonder kind of how long um kind of the comics digital comics will be sustained for because it's not a cheap hobby uh if you're kind of looking at recently um, DC have been putting out the 80th anniversary or 750th yeah. issues of their comics, which have been coming in at somewhere between the, the kind of £5 to £10 price mark. Yeah. And if you've got a lot of those, plus all the regular books, 
it starts to become a very expensive ho- hobby, especially if you are kind of looking to start new things. Oh, definitely. Um, so it's like, you know, what do you do? Do you buy the new issue of uh, a book from Dark Horse that's going to cost you three ninety nine, or do you buy the book that's going to come from DC that's going to cost you the same? So that's like, it's. Yeah. I, I wonder how it's going to affect the, the market shares of, you know, whether I, I, I do my pull list uh, every week and I use that, I use some... Um, online resources to look at what's coming out yeah and it's very regularly you know your batmans and your justice leagues are yeah. top of the lists and that, that's what people are buying but where's the incentive then if you're gonna if that costs you the same as a book you don't really know about so yeah i think well, there'll be some time where it's going to hope sell this might be good for some of the smaller self-publishers though because they can price accordingly and maybe they can pick up some of this audience who are like going I ain't paying X amount of price for a digital version of a yeah. Marvel book. Well, it's it's. It'll be. I wonder whether this will be an opportunity for some of the smaller digital publishers, things like Comic House, and yep. Madefire, and stuff, to kind of go right. There's some good quality content here that you can get for two ninety nine or for, or whatever it is, where you yep. can get um, much more bang for your book. And I'm, um, yeah, it's an interesting time. It just seems to have come out of the blue without re- any real announcement as such. And it's like, well, okay, that's. I think a lot of people are going to go cut their buying yeah. down as a result because yeah. um, it just seems a very odd track because Amazon were really pushing for market share with Comicsology when it first started. Yeah, and everybody's used to the pricing structure. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I do, I don't use Comicsology for my kind of regular buys. But, yeah. I, I kind of, I, I'm a died old school, died in the wool regular kind of bag and board yeah bag and board for (laughs) for for some titles but others i will wait for the kind of 299 trades yeah um because either i'm unsure or i don't want to drop 20 pounds on a book that i'm kind of not so sure about um but whether the whether the what that means is that people will start to go to their comic shop and, and a lot of comic shops now offering mail order yeah. Um, deals, so you can get stuff shipped to you quite easily. Yeah. Um, so whether that means that you know, hopefully, yeah. some physical copies will get out there a little bit more. Um, but it's it's just a kind of interesting uh, in a time where you know money's tight and everybody's kind of like counting the pennies. It's uh, a strange move for yeah. them to kind of, um, especially against the dollar, the pound to the dollar price yeah. just makes it. Uh, you know, it's literally one-to-one, one, yeah. yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of weird. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with that. Cool. So go and support your local comic book store instead or get get your comics on shipment because a yeah. lot of comic book stores are doing that now where you can... Or, or get in touch with your local shop and see if yeah. they do a, a mail order... Um, comic service. Uh, ...service, which would be quite good. Lee, mm-hmm. you played a game. Well, a game demo, which is a yes. rare breed in this yes, modern world. Yes, um, I played uh, the Final Fantasy VII Remake demo. Did it make that noise when you press download? Please tell me it made that noise. It didn't. But, Shocking. But there is one point in the demo where Barrett sings it. That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I've um, I, Square Enix just stealth dropped this onto PSN. And um, naturally, everyone jumped on it because everyone wants to play the Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, and I jumped into it just because I was curious as to how different it is compared to the um, compared to the original, which I have played back in the day. Yeah, and um, it right. is very, very different. I was going to say because 
some people still treat Final Fantasy VII like it's the greatest game of all time, and mm-hmm. there's never going to be a finer RPG made. Mm-hmm. So revisiting it is always going to be a bit tricky, especially mm-hmm. after we had a couple of Final Fantasy movies. We had Advent Children, mm-hmm. and it's kind of they've revisited that story in other formats, but to revisit it in a game format mm-hmm. is always going to be a bit of a risk. Yeah, I think what they've done is they they making it a lot more modern so it's got um real-time combat now instead of uh, turn-based combat Mm -hmm. but it's um the way they were sort of explaining it at e3 last year i think it was uh, where they were showing off like oh once a bar fills up you press a button and it goes it gives you a menu and you can choose your stuff from there i thought this sounds really overly complicated and that's kind of the main reason i wanted to play the demo because i wanted to try and see what that was like yeah and it was actually surprisingly intuitive. Like, they made it sound more complicated than it actually Cause, is. Because it sounds a little bit like the old turn-based game, because you used to have, like, a bar fill-up before mm-hmm. you was allowed to do your action. So it mm-hmm. kind of like, sounds like they've hybridized. It's it's kind of like that. They they are even calling it the ATB bar as well. So, it's yeah. you know, it's still got the same name. But, like, you are doing just your basic moves just by yeah. pressing the square button like it was something yeah. like Devil May Cry or something. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm assuming there's no summons or anything in this because it's way too early in the game. But um, I didn't get to experience any summons because it is just literally the the first reactor yep. chapter. That's all you get. And I think from what I remember, of the original you don't get summons for a while. I think it's like just two. <laughs> no, you get you get them while you're still in Midgard. But is it? Yeah, um, it's been a long time since yeah. you played. Uh, but um, it might actually. It may even be like the the. The Choco Mug one might be the first one you get, and that's yeah. from like the farm just outside <laughs> Midgard. So it's quite yeah. early in the game, but yeah. possibly not this early. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, and it's it's a very different experience having it with all the full voice acting and everything. Yeah, um, is, is Nolan North in it yet? No, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's the same cast as Advent Children. That's good. So um, makes sense. It's definitely the same guy playing Cloud. So yeah, um, but one thing that sort of worried me going into this is that Square Enix of today is very pretentious and very <laughs> takes itself a little bit too seriously yeah. and the amount of times that I've played something from Square Enix which has just been like so yes the the darkness and the light and the crystals and, and just <laughs> waffling on about this for three yeah. hours and I was like it's please, like listening to Bane <laughs> yeah please don't do this to Final Fantasy 7 which the original it had like a lot of darkness in its storyline but yeah. it also had a lot of brevity and had a lot of fun and a lot of banter between the characters and i was worried yeah. that that was going to be lost but it's all there yeah it's still there and they've kind of ramped it up a bit as well yeah because i've heard they've kept pretty much the casino bits mm-hmm. intact without because yeah. i was a bit worried about that because i don't know if how that's going to translate to a modern audience some of the trailers have shown cloud in a dress yeah. so that's my main concern relaxed because yeah. i wanted more cloud in a dress because it's one of the best parts of the original game but um like there's one bit in the demo where um barrett just turns to cloud and says like so what are you in your 20s and he's just like oh we we don't go up to the 20s uh, i'm i'm first class and he's like i asked for your age not your rank <laughs> <laughs> and it's just and at which point barrett just starts calling him a baby after that because he's just like well, you said you're one year old, so I'm going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they've they've kind of retained a lot of stuff, and it, it's it's just it is actually really fun. It was a really fun experience to go through it um, with the new combat system being what it is, 
and um, they've even sort of added extra bits to it as well. So um, there are areas where that just weren't in the original game. Yeah. But they've added them in just to kind of expand what's there a That's little bit good. more. So limit breaks and everything's still in there. Limit breaks are still in there. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of two different tiers of it. Because like the ATB bar, when that fills yeah. up, you've got like some sort of heavier moves yeah. that come from that. Some of those used to be limit breaks, but then yeah. there is still the limit bar. But that takes a lot longer to fill up. That's good. And I only really got to use that in like the, the boss fight. Because all the other battles were too short for the limit bar to fill up, so and they don't. It, unlike the original, it doesn't stay filled up. Yeah. Between fights, so it you're probably mostly going to be seeing them in boss fights. Cool. So worth worth a download then. Yes. If and you've I'm, got a PlayStation. Yeah, and I'm definitely looking forward to the full thing. Which, if this is if they're going to maintain this sort of quality for the whole thing, that's that's going to be a good thing. Unless, of course, like we get past the three hours that. They've shown the press, and then after that, just takes this massive nosedive, and they just gave up at that point. It looks like South Park after that yeah. <laughs> hand-drawn animation. No, like the rest of the the rest of the game after that point is just the original game. Yeah. <laughs> or they just go, "Here's a package we'd like you to deliver, and here's a ladder to go with it." Oh god! <laughs> but it has been what about ten years? This has been rumored to be in development for. Um, so I think like ten years ago is when they showed like the tech demo. Yeah, on the PS3, which was like a recreation of the original intro. Yeah, which everyone assumed meant a remake is being made, but yeah. actually it was just a tech demo. <laughs> and then Square Enix probably thought, yeah. probably best get on with it then. After a few years of like people just going like Final Fantasy VII remake when over and over, eventually went <laughs> let's maybe give this a try, but then it had to reset development because they were trying to get. I think they had Nomura directing this and yeah. Kingdom Hearts three at the same time, and it didn't work. Nah. He was doing too much work, um, but eventually they managed to get it, it get it going. Even if it is not going to be the full game, yeah, it's going to be like the first part of the game. It's coming out. The rest will be DLC. No, it's going to be like more games. Yeah. So Final Fantasy VII Part One, Final Fantasy yeah. Part Two. Yeah, I think that's how they're doing it. They've been a bit vague about it, to be honest. They're, they're basically doing the Telltale game model. Yes, here's a full game, but not. The full game. Except imagine if Telltale games were like 30 hours long. <laughs> that seems to be this tactic. No, it sounds very promising. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. I look forward to playing it on a PlayStation 5 when I get my hands on one at some yes. point. Hello and welcome to the section of the show where I talk about my games of the week for last week and this week. This is where I sort through the games that are coming out each week and pick out the game that is most interesting that I think is best worth checking out. Last week, game of the week was Yes, Your Grace. It is a kingdom management game. You are the king and many people will come to seek your counsel. It's up to you to decide whose requests you honour and who doesn't have the kingdom's best interests at heart. It looks like a complex web of difficult choices in a narrative with smart writing, along with some excellent pixel art. This one definitely looks worth checking out. Yes, Your Grace was developed by small British team Brave at Night and published by No More Robots. It's out now for Steam. This week, Game of the Week, is Ori and the Will of the Wisps, the sequel to 2014's Ori and the Blind Forest. This Metroidvania sequel features Ori venturing beyond the forest of the first game into the wider world to discover their destiny and probably encounter a few massive dangers along the way. The devs have promised the game is bigger and full of even more depth than the first game, which is exciting. 
I adored the original game, which made it into my top 100 games of the 2010s, and early reviews of the sequel are promising, placing it into the low 90s on Metacritic. I really can't wait to get my hands on this one. Ori and the Will of the Wisps was published by Xbox Game Studios and developed by Austrian team Moon Studios, who also made the original, unsurprisingly. As you'd expect from a first-party Xbox title, it's available on Xbox One, and there's a Steam release as well. And those were the two games that I feel are most worth checking out from the last two weeks. If you want to know more about the latest releases, as well as some news going on within the gaming world, head to geekybrummy.com where you can find my gaming roundup every Friday, where I cover that exact thing. And on that note, let's get back to the main show, shall we? So a couple of weeks ago, you gentlemen were very lucky enough to attend a special promotional event for Lenovo. Yours. Um, at a At a... Secret venue in Birmingham City Centre. Um, so well, kind of a pub, <laughs> a pub basement, a pub basement. That's pretty secret. Um, yeah. So kind of what, what what happened? Right. So the lovely people at Box over in Midworth uh, have partnered up with Lenovo for their new series of Legion gaming devices. So you might have heard of Asus, ROG, um, Gigabyte, Aorus. Uh, HP Omen, so this is Lenovo's gaming brand. So a lot of the manufacturers now will have their own diffusion brand, which is mm-hmm. focused more on people who play PC games, such as myself, mm-hmm. as I have a gigabyte laptop in front of me, which is how we record them. Also bought from Box, actually, many years ago. <laughs> but um, So basically, they've just partnered up with Lenovo to relaunch their Legion series gaming laptop. So it was what the current ones were, the next... Um, laptops in the range, a few of the desktops, some of the accessories that they have on offer. So it was more just to introduce the range to the gaming public of Birmingham. So mm-hmm. what sets this um, set of devices apart from what's come before? Mm-hmm. Well, it's um, so they're all using Intel processors, which are still slightly better than AMD's processors for gaming, so it's still very much a gaming focus. And they're all using GTX graphics cards, so we'll see stuff like the 2060 Max-Q, 2070 Max-Q, uh, 1050 on the lower-end models. So we saw like their full range from like the low-end £500 starter gaming laptop up to the bells and whistles one, which I think was around about two grand, was it, Lee? I think so, yeah. Yes, I mean, we were very impressed by the two grand one, mainly because it had light-up I.O. ports, which is something I been wanting on laptops for yeah, a long, I, I long time. I was about to jump in and say that the thing that makes it the best laptop is the fact that you you just have the icons for what boot cables are just on the side. So you don't have to scrabble around the side and the back trying to figure out where things fit in. Nice. You just get HDMI written by yeah. the HDMI port. So you're not going... <laughs> this really works for podcasts. <laughs> I'm going to do it on here. You don't get this noise. Damn it! <laughs> Every time you try and plug something in, yeah. that that's my usual experience. Yeah. It's like all USBs must be inserted at least three times. Mm-hmm. The correct way, reverse, and then <laughs> the, the correct way, way again. <laughs> so, if you were a, one of our Twitter followers, you might yep. have seen uh, you gentlemen indulged in a little competition. Yes. Um, how did that go? So they had what well, I think it was a forty-inch diagonal curved LCD screen set mm-hmm. with a racing chair and it was Project Cars Project, yeah, Project, Project Cars, Cars 2, 2 yeah. set up on a gaming PC which was off to the side one of their desktop PCs mm-hmm. so we, we had to do a lap of a track well th- we had three laps, three, laps. Of a, three laps of a track with a practice lap and it was fastest time could win some Lenovo accessories things was keyboard, mouse and headset mm. um, I did not do well <laughs> 
You did better than friend of the show Dave Massey. Oh yeah, friend of the show Dave Massey doesn't drive. This this was very obvious in his <laughs> run. And when we put it on Twitter, I think Laura, who you know from previous shows, was like, "Who let Dave behind the steering wheel?" Mm-hmm. It was good. It was a virtual, virtual racetrack <laughs> with no spectators. Because Lee's lap looked very measured and considered. Um, uh, Lee was in full gaming mode. Yeah, yeah. I um, I was a bit concerned, kind of jumping into it, just because like I've tried racing wheels in the past and done very badly with them. So when I managed to i think just i turned off game brain and turned on actual driving brain <laughs> um, um so you yeah. were very cool calm considered where i i, I just forgot to break so my, my it, it's a flappy paddle gearbox i'm used to a manual gearbox i'm used to shifting gears with one hand but it was because it was flappy paddle i forgot to I know. Keep flapping see, the, see with the gears i was fine going up the gears yeah it was going, it was going, back going down. down them that was, yeah. was the problem uh, the amount of times I just like take a corner and just be like you're in like fourth gear, and it's a really tight turn. Um, yeah, there was definitely a lot of force feedback on that steering yeah. wheel as well. There's yeah. one point where I just lost complete control of that steering wheel because it just yeah. kind of went ah, ah, out of my hands. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we did get to see some of their newer prototype products, which they're about to release soon. So they had one which was an Ultrabook laptop with no GP, no external or DGPU direct GPU inside and what they had is a nice little Thunderbolt 3 box which is something that I think a lot of people might be changing too soon so Thunderbolt 3 box I think it was a GTX 2060 inside full desktop GPU and a couple of hard drives so the whole design of this was basically like you could leave that box at home take the laptop out go to university go to college go to work work on it all day because it's got a big battery ultrabook spec so it'll last long time and then when you get home plug in one cable and then you've got a powerful graphics card extra storage so you could basically like mix and match so you could have like a proper gaming setup without having to worry about lugging a laptop which weighs about 20 20 tons which mine does and and looks like a full-on gaming laptop you don't want to have that in public yeah you you talked about the internal mechanics a little bit yeah um what are the what are the screens like on these devices how how are the screens measuring up yeah um, so i think they're all ips panels so a lot of cheaper laptops you'll see tn panels on so it's it's different types of display technology ips is much better for color res- color reproduction tn's usually used in very fast response monitors so you still see those in some gaming pcs but these guys have decided to use ips uh, really good color ref uh, color representation. I think the top end laptops have pretty much got 100% Adobe sRGB color spec on them. Uh, I know the gaming PC that they had on display there looked to be very, very capable and looked like uh, all their monitors were. Uh, they had a 240 hertz monitor as well. So monitors are measured in hertz, which is basically the maximum amount of frames per second they can show you so a 60 hertz monitor can roughly show you 60 frames Mm. in Mm -hmm. a second uh but a 240 hertz monitor a lot of gaming monitors are coming out about 144 hertz now which is great for esports players and like csgo players so if you're doing competitive esports you want the fastest monitor you can possibly have so you'll have a top end pc and you'll have a very fast monitor so Twitch gaming, so like yeah, you, response you, times are yeah. really reduced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, you can react as quickly as 
possible and it sounds like you can't really see past 60 fps but it does make a massive difference to mm. these esports players and i think going to that 240 hertz level is very impressive because it's, it's like the next level along now and how fast that they can react that was very interesting to see as well uh mr john bentley was also in attendance we didn't actually unfortunately get a chance to grab him because he was very busy all night mm-hmm so potentially that you might appear in the background of a report on the next season of the Gadget Show. Yeah, possibly. I think I did see you in the back of some of the pictures that they did yeah. post online. Yeah, they I, did, I, did, I did a spot a, a Ryan Parrish. Yes. Um, which over the course of the next few years I might gather together and post in, in a book of uh, where's where's <laughs> Ryan? Where's Ryan? Yeah. Currently so. hiding behind <laughs> to the left and above He's John hiding Bentley. behind today. Yeah. <laughs> so would you would you having had a chance to experience these machines uh, yeah. firsthand, would you say they are definitely kind of the way to go if you are interested in upgrading your current um setups? Well that one with the external GPU I think is very much of interest to me. Especially because mm. I use my beast of a laptop, which has been the main Geeky Brummy laptop for about the last four years. It's a 17-inch gigabyte laptop, and it's especially the thin and light one. But it's starting to get a little bit old now, so it's a Core i7-4720H processor, if I remember correctly, and a GTX 970M. So I know I've just turned off a load of people now by <laughs> game. Or some six. people have gone, mm-hmm. this is not Ryan Tech Tips. <laughs> it's fine. I've just explained the specs on my laptop. So it's kind of getting a little bit long in the tooth now. So three generations behind on graphics card technology. So it's it's still a very good laptop and it'll still play AAA games, just not as with all the shiny bells and whistles mm-hmm. and ray tracing mm-hmm. on. So it's probably due for an upgrade very soon. So it's something I'd definitely consider is looking at that range i mean the good thing about them being in minworth as well is they have everything out on their shop floor and they have a massive shop floor up at their trading estate site and i think you can just pop in and like have a mooch around have a good look see what's on offer uh they do have a few events coming up in the next few weeks as well if you want to go and see the range of stuff so they're at touchwood in solihull on monday 16th of march which is from 9 30 till 5 p.m they're at the university of birmingham on the 18th of march between 10 a.m and 4 p.m because students apparently don't hang around all day <laughs> and they're also having a three-day event in their store which is from the 19th to the 21st of March between 20, 10 and 4 as well. So you can go in and I think you can possibly win a laptop or some nice Legion accessories. So if you're in the market for a new laptop yeah. or you're thinking of upgrading, yep. it's a chance for you to go and see what's um, the latest and greatest. Yes, and I've got some offers on as well, uh, which is discounts on selected products between the 9th and the 31st of March on Lenovo Legion stuff. So I think it's 10% off laptops, 10% off desktops, 10% off monitors, and 30% off accessories with the code LOVE10 for the 10% ones and LOVE30 for the 30% ones. Cool. All good stuff. And go and find them. They'll be on our Twitter channel. Um, Yeah, we'll probably share them. So go and follow them on social media. I think it's BoxCo UK, except Facebook where it's Box Limited because they're like, slightly non-consistent <laughs> sounds yeah. familiar but go find them and i'm sure they'll have lots more information than we can possibly squeeze into this mm. little segment all right before we go I have some treats for you oh gosh oh, no. not more bogeys <laughs> what's happening these these are nice t- treats all right so if you've ever been into a marks and spencer shop i'm sure you're aware of these um I don't regularly partake of the M&S. 
shop. Yeah. Are those the vegan ones? Uh, no. Okay. That, that's basically like, I know that there are vegan ones that exist. So, so Ryan has handed me into, into my hand what looks like um, somebody who uh, owns their own kind of like, you know, ice cream van, but <laughs> doesn't want to pay for the licensing for Peppa Pig. Yeah. So they've just come up with the closest thing they can get. So we've got um, made with real fruit juice. It's as, opp- as opposed to it's wild <laughs> artificial fruit juice. Yes. Percy Pig goes globe trotting. It's organic yes. fruit juice, though, Keith. Yeah. So it's m re- so probably. Yes. So the so, reason is Percy Pig is a big thing, and it's it's one of my favourite sweeties that you can get from a supermarket. But um, the reason I've handed you these two, and we're going to have a taste test off, is because I went to Powerland. <laughs> you and, really shouldn't. And... What does this remind you of, gentlemen? Oh, dear. <laughs> Ryan is now showing me an, a, another bag, which looks like the rejected version <laughs> of Percy Pig. <laughs> I went, no, that went through the agency, and they went, no, this isn't as good. And you, yeah. Who have you got there, Ryan? So this is like the Twin Peaks bar, which was the Toblerone <laughs> thing. So I have Dinky Dog with his gummy puppies. Take them walkies, apparently. And there's a woof woof in the corner. So these are fruit fl- fruit flavored soft gummies. Oh, <laughs> that's always a, that's a worrying sign straight away. Yeah, it just says fruit flavored. Okay, so I'm. I mean, I'm, they have got mixed fruit juice concentrate in here. It, there, there is a significant. <laughs> there is a significant level of fruits in this. I'm going to give you the entire list of fruits because it's 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 significant. There's apple, blackcurrant, cherry, raspberry, strawberry, orange, apricot, pineapple, passion fruit. Lemon, grapefruit, banana, peach, grape, and pear. Shall I read you the the ones that are in my Percy Pig Goes Globetrotting? Yeah. Which which says it's got fruit, plant, and vegetable concentrates. Yes. I'm not looking forward to trying these now because the list of uh, ingredients includes red grape, elderberry, blueberry, sunflower, uh, lemon, pumpkin, apple, and carrot. These are the most M&S flavors. Well, th- this this also has some fruit and vegetable concentrates in it as well. That it has carrot, black carrot, a radish, and apple. <laughs> wow, that's wow. So, uh, Percy Pig grape and raspberry flavor, p- p- Poppy Panda blackcurrant flavor, and Timmy Tiger mango flavor. So, gentlemen, if you'd both open your bags, okay, and I'm not taking out this. a Percy, which will be the pink one. Oh dear, I've ruined that. And taste test your Percy. And Keith, you'll have to throw one my way as well. I'll let you, I'll let you choose your own. Right, it smells okay. Go it's with a Percy. Nice. Percy's a lovely pink So one. pink pink is definitely a Percy. Yes. yes. Okay, so, so we're going to try our pig Percy's. Shaped. Mm-hmm. Okay. Try our Percy's. And they will compare our dinky dogs afterwards. So this is the genuine article we're trying now. So I'd say this is good quality sweet. I I hate to say this, yeah. but I felt like I was eating plasticine. <laughs> it kind of they, tasted they like plasticine. Curious, they have a curious texture, but a lovely yeah. taste. They're, they're very soft, gummy sweets. Yeah, I, I like the flavour, but like you said, it was a bit plasticine. It, it, t- it makes like me worried what the the Poundland version is. Yeah. I like I like I like gummy bears. Ooh. Oh dear! <laughs> have a whiff of those, gents. I'll let you. Uh, oh oh my god. Mm. Okay. Well, you're gonna uh, in, you're gonna partake of the yeah. dinky. I feel like I feel like um, when I've worked in a bar, I've smelled that before. I do love I do love when the fact that the mold is basically just <laughs> like 
ripped off. It's literally yeah. ripped off, and they've just changed yeah. the. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 very very close. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna indulge in this. Okay, mm-hmm. okay texture wise, that's not. That's as good. a lot firmer texture. It's also sticking to the roof of my mouth a lot more. Flavor's not too bad, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely getting more of the Play-Doh sensation with that one. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely Play-Doh versus pasta scene. Right. Mm-hmm. So price-wise, these are from Poundland. So I'm going to let you guess what price these are. Are they by any chance one pound? They are. <gasps> Shocking. How much do you think the Percy pigs are? Marks and Spencer's are probably about 50 quid. <laughs> you are getting more than just the dog. Your packet yes. is just full of a lot of pink dogs. Well, you can get original purses, but they had none of those packets, so I thought I'd get you a couple of flavour choices. Yeah. I'm going to um, I'm gonna try one of the tigers. <laughs> well, I'm assuming it's a tiger. I think you've got not... a panda as well attached to the back of the tiger. <laughs> I'm going to try one of the cows, just because I'm wondering, what fruit is this brown? Yeah. Well, price boys, guess what do you think? One ninety. Currently at two packets for three pounds. Okay. So for the fifty p difference, would you say pick up Percy versus Dinky Dog? Having just had the the um, tiger, yeah, tiger's good. I like the tiger. <laughs> the, yeah, the the Percy pig not so good. I'm just going to try the panda. Yeah. Well, Percy was the original one, so they've they've been more experimental with the other flavors. I think. I think this one's. <laughs> Poppy Panda, yeah, not so good. Although I kind of just want to eat them all now. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was something else in there that's <laughs> not listed on the ingredients. <laughs> a Moorish kind of flavor. Yeah. I'm just going. Oh, okay, I'm just going to eat these. Yeah, yeah, the 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 sheep was excellent. Yeah. So so I'm, so I'm going with these. Consumer advice for today is. Accepts no imitation. Go yeah. with Percy. Yeah. Percy Pig all the way. Mm-hmm. Keith, where can we find you online <laughs> whilst you have a mouthful of Percy Pig and Pals? <laughs> oh, that the my second tiger. Not so good. Yeah. That's quite surprising. There is inconsistency between the, between chunks. Um, you no. can find me quizzically looking at my packet of Percy Pig. <laughs> On Twitter at hardlook underscore hotel, and then without the underscore, pretty much um, anywhere else on the internet. If if I look like Count Ducula, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> Lee, where can we find you? Uh, when I'm not smashing up my entire gaming setup because Horizon Zero Dawn is getting a PC release, uh, <laughs> you can find me on YouTube at Bob the Pet Ferret, and updates for that channel can be found on Twitter at Bob the Pet Ferret as well. Do you want to give us a quick update on what the new changes are for the Bob for the Pet Ferret? Yes, so new changes. There are new shows on the way. So I've got um, a series called Losing the Plot coming out where I analyse... Uh, storytelling in games so I pick a game and look at an aspect of it that I think it's doing well or doing badly depending on what angle I'm deciding to come at that with and then I've got a series which is going to be either why it's rad or why it's bad where I basically just is sort of a cross between a review and a list video where I pick out six things that make make a game rad or bad and upcoming is going to be the why it's bad Death Stranding video <laughs> which I'm sure is going to 
win me <laughs> sorry <laughs> win me quite a lot of uh bands with that one going for the controversy clicks on yes, that one i'm yeah. hoping your first rad game is some kind of like skateboarding one. <laughs> i picked the word rad for two reasons first of all it's in yakuza zero and second of all because it just rhymes with bad and i just thirdly so simpsons hit and run <laughs> yeah. that's a rad game i like that <laughs> so yeah um you can also find me on twitter at the cheap ferret as well which is my personal, personal account yes and on these regular days on the Geeky Brummy Twitter feed, mm-hmm. doing stunning work that makes me extremely um, So if you envious. scroll back on our Twitter timeline, there'll be many, many, many Mario gifts yes. on March the 10th. Yes. Well, it was Mario Day and I thought, I'm going to go all out, why not? You certainly went all out. <laughs> I, like, I think oh, you wow. used every single Mario GIF available uh, to the state much. where you run out. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I, I'm wondering whether you missed out any Game Boy Mario games. No, I covered Super Mario Land. Did you get all of them in? I, like I, I covered them as like one tweet and ah. and, and gave the um, the excellent Ambassadors of Funk '90s dance remix of, re- remix of the uh, Super Mario Land theme. Yeah, it was, it was a very comprehensive um, look back at Mario's history. I even so, threw in Hotel Mario. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, was, I would, it was any games. Did you put in Mario Paint and Mario yes. Music? What was the Mario music game maker game? That was Mario Paint. Was it? Oh yeah, it was the, it was the music thing yeah. that was in Mario Paint, and that was in there. Yeah, that was like a very last minute edition. So I was like, oh wait, that existed. Yeah, well, it's a shame there wasn't a kind of rogue Bob Hoskins in there somewhere. <laughs> so I would have put cool. some Mario music underneath this clip, but I don't want to get sued by Nintendo because they're <laughs> oh, no, very no, litigious. It's, it's allowed now, <laughs> as long as you don't besmirch or destroy them. <laughs> like putting Apple phones in movies. Apparently, they're not allowed to be touched by bad guys. Sensible, yes. Only only good guys can hold an Apple iPhone because going back to circling back to earlier conversations about Captain America in a chunky knit jumper mm. in Knives Out, it kind of ruins the movie because you can pretty much work out who the <laughs> bad guy is <laughs> straight <spoil> away. <laughs> also, also, you can go back to the previous episode where um, your uh, Transformers guy is like, "I'm I'm a hero because I'm on the air, on a helicopter with my iPhone listening yeah. to my music." <laughs> It yeah. just—it reminds me of like how in Uncharted, every phone is a Sony phone. Yes, every single one. <laughs> it's sensible. Yeah, keeping it in the brand. Yeah. yeah. And where might we find your good self? You can find me at Ryan Parish for the personal stuff on Twitters. I probably don't do as much tweeting on that one as I should do. It's mainly just moaning at things on that one. Greg, Greg. Oh, I was going to say Greg no. Davis. No, but, like who <laughs> complain at Greg Davis? Moaning like, at he's... Greg Wallace is specifically reserved for the Brummy Gourmand account, ah. mainly because I have many Greg Wallace gifts. It's like I'm obsessively hoarding <laughs> Greg Wallace gifts to to sum up my frustration of this man. And then I'll be playing Master Chef Bingo in a week or two when the semi-finals kick in, which is like my annual thing now, where I like create a bingo card. With pointless words on. So, like, there'll be stuff like... Cooley. Cooley. Or Banmarie. <laughs> or sous vide. And yeah. the, the, the plan is to get a line. I've never got a line so far in four years of playing. But it, it's kind of like... It's a fun thing that we all play along with. It's kind of like, well, we can't do it this year, but E3 bingo is kind of the same thing. <laughs> um, E3 bingo is who's pulled out now. <laughs> dick ah, uh, dick ah. Uh, full house. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. As I said, as Keith has mentioned, don't forget to check out Twitter. We are pretty active on there. We'll share loads of gaming stuff, uh, share some of our old favourite films, 
um, TV series. Keith always has his weekly comic roundup on a Wednesday on the geekybrummy.com site, and he'll be talking about comics usually on the Twitters every Wednesday. Yeah. Lee has his game roundup every Friday, and he'll probably be talking about games too on Tuesdays and Fridays, and then I usually just don't do much. <laughs> Until I remember and go, oh, Disney the Black Hole, which is all my tweaking is ever is over. And why not watch Disney the Black Hole? I would recommend Disney's the Black Hole. If you subscribe to Disney Plus, you'll be able to <laughs> yes. watch the Black Hole uh, as much as you like. Yes. And the other thing I almost forgot to mention is we're looking at starting a Patreon up soon. So <gasps> if you have any ideas what you want to see on a Patreon, yeah, get into sensible suggestions, please. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I'm thinking about the joyful Geeky Brummy badges, which team members have, but might be on wider release. But might might involve Ooh. a little bit of a subscription to kind of pay for the cost of the. Mm-hmm. But if if it's something you're interested in, let us know. Hello at geekybrummy.com. It'd be like the new Blue Peter badge. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we were saying earlier in the show, supporting indie creators is important. Yes. Yep. Which is what we are. Somebody has to pay for all the gear. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for joining us. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell all your friends, share with us. And don't forget to support your independent creators in these uncertain times. Mm-hmm. But for now, bye everybody. Bye. Bye.